Every day, thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. But Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at GetArculus.com. You know, um, right, episode 23, Nick Durst and Joe Calabrese back at it once again. And Joe, I'm excited because... It looks like baseball's going to happen. I've been craving baseball nonstop. we got the Subway Series coming up, preseason edition this weekend, Mets and Yankees. And the big news, of course, is that Yoannis Cespedes says he's ready to go for opening day for the Mets. And if you look at that Mets lineup with Cespedes, I don't see a better lineup in the National League than the Mets lineup. Obviously, Cano is a big weak spot there, but overall... Tremendous lineup for the Mets, and if they could avoid a little slump and they play like they did at the the end of the season last year, this is the team to beat in the NL East. Although, they are getting screwed where they have to play the Yankees six times, and the Nationals, they get to play the Orioles six times. (laughs) Uh, So the other day, I was on Twitter, and I saw what the potential Mets lineup could be one to nine. And I think it had Nimmo living, leading off, McNeil second, uh, Alonzo third on down. Uh, Wilson Ramos potentially hitting in the eighth spot. That's a pretty good hitter to have eight. He had a pretty good season last year. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, the whole DH thing benefits them the most. All those guys are solid contact hitters. A uh, bunch of them are really good at fielding their positions and very respectable in that area, too. It's a very, very balanced lineup. Very well could be the best lineup one to nine in the National League. Uh, with the DH now, of Yeah, and of course, Joe, you got Judd Lowry coming off the bench potentially. Who knows, who knows <laughs> what, what he's going to do. And of course, they have the best pitcher in baseball in Jacob DeGrom. So that is some stuff to be excited there for. But the other big MLB news, Joe, is that a lot of these players are starting to opt out of the season, such as uh, Buster Posey. We already knew Ryan Zimmerman and maybe Sean Doolittle's considering it and other Nationals players. And a lot of these players are having some serious uh, second thoughts as to whether or not they're going to play in the season. And it's going to be really interesting just to see if people, you know, if, let's say on a team there is a sm- slight minor outbreak does other do other players on the team then say, "Hey, I'm opting out now because I don't want to risk myself, especially due to the fact that some people on my team have already had the virus." How do you see that playing out? I think you are going to see at least one prominent player from each team opt out. Uh, for the most part, I think it's going to be similar guys like uh, similar age guys like Buster Posey who had already had some MLB service time and are probably just doing it uh, for precautionary reasons for their family. Uh, so we see the biggest name that's still on the fence is Mike Trout, and Trout has already come out and said that he has not made a decision yet regarding this. So you're going to see, I think, a few more players in the next couple of days say that they're opting out and – I do believe that at least one or two big-name major players are going to eventually end up opting out of this. A lot of them, 
likely because of family reasons and probably knowing people very close to them, either grandparents or just friends who are who are more prone to 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 catching the virus. So it, it's definitely going to be interesting. And remember, these are players who are opting out on their own accord. This is a guy like Giancarlo Stanton who went to the the Jed Lowry uh, training uh, of uh, of how to get back. I mean, Stanton may not see the field this season and it's only 60 games uh, because he actually has a legitimate injury. Unlike all these guys who are acting. Actually, right, how about Aaron out. judge? Aaron judge is hurt again. It's very possible. It's very possible to, it's got a uh, sore neck, uh, sore thigh, whatever, sore calf. They should have, they should, the Yankees should have kept Jacoby Ellsbury. I mean, they're, they're playing him anyway. <laughs> so why not? Should just kept him on the 60 man. It should be it should be noted if Jacoby Ellsbury actually opts in. At this point, I why would he want to actually play? You know, well, he's, he curly, should, he's, he's currently he's candidate. currently unsigned by and he's on no team. But you know, it's very bizarre. Why has nobody picked up Yasiel Puig for their sixty man roster? Yeah, that's that's kind of shocking too. I think it could be a money issue. Remember, a lot of these teams are are operating with relatively no. You know, income coming in this season. They're losing a lot of what could have been in the stadiums. Uh, sure, merchandise sales are down. I, I think that's more of a financial decision. I think teams are trying to play this these next, like, I would say 12, 8 to 12 months because you're going to have the shortened season this year, and this will affect uh, the season going into next year and how the offseason plays out. I think you're going to see a lot of teams really, really stingy with money. And they're, that's going to squeeze out a lot of guys like Puig who are still good enough to be on MLB rosters, you know, out of a job, which is which is really really sad when you think about it. But yeah, the, other thing, the other thing that's crazy is there's there's so much talent out there. Obviously, with no minor league season, so nobody's playing in minor league season. But then the fact there's only a five round draft, a lot of people probably weren't drafted who were expecting to be at least playing professionally. So next year, I think the independent ball circuit is going to be extremely stacked, and it'll be interesting to see just how everything plays out and college baseball season next year. And the other thing is to keep in mind is we don't know how things are going to be next year. So not just for baseball, but any sport, really. The scouting aspect of the game is probably going to change dramatically where they're going to be Doing virtual scouting, I would think, Joe. Yeah, I think so. I think they're going to be doing a lot of virtual scouting. And with the the, the minor league system, is it, the future of it as, as it stands and as it's structured now, uh, it's, it's very questionable because a lot of those teams are suffering too. So you may see an entire league-wide restructuring of how all, all this works. And this is 100% going to affect scouting because if – for the for argument's sake, roster spots have to be scaled back in recent years. That means that teams are going to eventually cut money from their budget regarding scouting. So how do you do that? You do everything as remote as you possibly can, right? Don't have to pay travel expenses. Don't have to pay travel costs or or anything like that. And uh, but yeah, it's it, it's going to be really really interesting. Certainly, and it's going to be really something that. It's going to be a question across all sports. Everything is going to really change in that aspect. The only sport that really doesn't have much of a change would be UFC. 
And, of course, they have Fight Island, not really an island, but they had the UFC fight. Uh, Masvidal came in on six days notice. Joe, I don't know how he dropped 19 pounds in six days. That, by itself, is an amazing feat. Well, did you watch the fight? I did not. Okay, well, he looked like a guy who had to shed that much weight on six days notice. He was... uh... So I don't want to take anything away from Jorge Masvidal. He's 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 speedy as a fighter. He's very shifty, agile. But uh, Kamar Usman, uh, to put it politely, is arguably either the second or third, I think, pound for pound strongest fighter in the UFC. So he basically pinched him, uh, pinched him to the cage. Uh, basically was like stomping on his, his feet a little bit, trying to deter him from breaking the grip. And he just used his power to win the fight the, the whole way through. But, uh, but yeah, so Masvidal basically took the fight on six days' notice because he saw it as an opportunity. And Masvidal is one, yeah, one of their biggest draws. Just made the cover of the new UFC 4 game that's coming out. And the pay-per-view did 1.3 million buys for ESPN, which is the highest pay-per-view total that they've done since they did the, uh, the Conor McGregor versus Khabib fight. So that was, I believe... Uh, Two years ago now, so there was there was no question that this was a huge business move for Masvidal, and and even though he lost the fight, uh, I think this is one of those cases where a lot of people are going to to be saying like, okay, let Masvidal win another fight or two, come back, and then let's do this fight again when he's actually got a full uh, few months worth of of training. Because again, it's it's the, the hardest thing to do is basically do that on less than a week's notice. It's it's insanely yeah. crazy to and do also, that. I'm sure, there was a long flight out there too. So I don't, I don't know how he did that. Kudos to him. Uh, but UFC 4, you mentioned it. The UFC hasn't really been too successful with their, with their UFC video games. Nothing compared to, say, WWE. There isn't really great storylines or anything. What I did find interesting is that Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury are going to be playable characters in this game with a pre-order, of course. There's always a catch. WWE does the same thing. But what do you think about that where maybe there's going to be some sort of relationship here between these top-level boxers and UFC? I think it's very, very smart because we, we both know that boxing remains a dying entity. Now, in recent years, over the past couple of years, You've had Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, and Tyson Fury, and they've had a, a series of, of really good fights that have kind of revived like how people view heavyweight boxing. But again, uh, there's there's really no depth behind it. It doesn't really draw as much as uh, UFC does uh, from the mixed martial arts crowd. Has pulled that that old fashioned boxing crowd a lot of a lot of it away. So I think, and now we saw Tyson Fury do this. Because his first stop wasn't a UFC video game. It was in WWE late, late last year. So he understands that more so than anything, it's not only about being the best uh, athlete at the top of your sport, but it's also about creating a brand for yourself. That's that's the name of the game today. That's what these guys do. So now Tyson Fury has a profile with people who have seen him on the pro wrestling side of things with WWE, and now the people who appreciate the art of fighting are going to be able to see him in the new UFC video game. He's, he's now a crossover star. You know what I mean? Like there he's, he's got profiles in other sports leagues that emphasize the, the, the entertainment aspect, I think, and connecting with the crowd a little more than boxing does now. 
So I think it's a tremendous move for their careers, and I think it's awesome to have them as playable characters because you could see what would happen if a UFC heavyweight like Stipe Miocic or Daniel Cormier was in the octagon with Tyson Fury. Like, that's that's awesome to think about. So Yeah, and I wonder if the fact that McGregor had that boxing fight impacted the thinking behind this at all. I remember, like, UFC 2, I think Brock Lesnar was, like, in it on the cover. It was very dominant. But between Lesnar, uh, AEW's Henry Cejudo, and Conor McGregor, who was going to unretire first? Conor McGregor. And who, who, is he gonna be, who, is, who is he going to first? Justin Gaethje. Because Justin Gaethje is going to be Khabib for the lightweight title. All right, there you have it. So we'll monitor, we'll monitor that situation as well. Uh, the other interesting news was Adrian Wojnarowski was suspended by ESPN. What does this mean, Joe? If there's breaking news, is he not allowed to tweet it? I don't think ESPN would suggest to do that. What are, no, you, what are your thoughts? Not. What are your thoughts on what's going on there? He is not allowed to tweet, and Adam Schefter has briefly picked up Slack in his absence. Not so sure about that relationship. You don't think Woj is kind of leaking the information to Schefter just to see, like, the experience well, possible? Schefter has, Schefter, that has, that would happen, you know? Schefter has always, uh, you know, broken, other news. broken some NBA news. But, yeah, I mean, I, I would think if, you know, if Woj has some breaking news, he's going to at least text somebody at ESPN and they'll tweet it out in the ESPN account. I mean... If he has news, what do you think he's going to just sit on it? I don't know. It's just, it's a very bizarre situation. Uh, but he was suspended for his vul- vulgar email response. And I guess that just goes to show you that nobody is really bulletproof in, in, in the media industry. And he, if he's getting suspended, then it can really happen to anyone. And the other, the other news really is that WWE is still chugging along here, and they are putting on shows. I mean, there are some some rumors out there or some suggestions, though, that wrestling should take a six-month hiatus. That's never going to happen because it's all about media deals, and these people got to get get their money. So there, there's not it's not going to happen. And uh, Keith Lee, he became the NXT champion, and he. Unified titles, and the other thing that I wanted to bring up, Joe, is that the rumors now are that Randy Orton is going to face Drew McIntyre at SummerSlam and beat him to become WWE Champion. Orton's going to hold the title until probably Royal Rumble, and he's going to drop to the returning Edge, and then Edge is going to be champion, only to drop the title to Drew McIntyre again. So to me, that makes no sense. Yeah, it's a huge, big run around. Now, what I will say is I think over the past couple of months, I think Randy Orton is actually doing really great work again. So I, I think I, – well, I've always believed that the SummerSlam match with McIntyre was going to be Randy Orton. Uh, I felt like that was an opportunity that they just weren't going to like pass up. So I don't hate the idea of Orton winning. To me, I don't think Edge really needs a championship run anymore. I feel he, he's at the uh, – his career from you know 2004 and 5 really on where he just 
kind of became like his own thing and never really, really challenged for the title. I don't know. Uh, I see why it would be a decent idea to have Orton win just because he's a heel and it gives you the opportunity to, to yearn for, for McIntyre a little bit more to, for having to become champion again. Uh, and it kind of breaks the, the, the cycle that we've had recently where the guys who have won the championship and then kind of gone on a run with it for longer than say six or seven months. To be honest, I was never really a huge fan of longer title runs. So, I mean, it makes sense. I like McIntyre. I think he's been a really solid champion. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily hate that. I would like him to, to hold it for just a little while longer. And again, I'm not like a huge fan of Orton dropping in the title. I get it. It's not a terrible option. Uh, I would have much preferred them have McIntyre lose to Lashley if, if that was the case. Uh, if they wanted to, to plan on giving McIntyre a run again with the title later on. But I mean, I don't hate it. I think I think it I think it's the smart match though to have for SummerSlam. I think that's the biggest match on the Raw side right now. I just think it's so boring. I'm so sick of MVP, Dom Sigler, Drew McIntyre, and then SmackDown Bray Wyatt is boring me. Sheamus, I don't care about. Jeff Hardy is like, eh, you know, it's just it's so stale. I think it's just they're just buying time now, hoping to get in front of an audience, which I get. But none of this stuff excites me. SmackDown. They do a karaoke segment. How do you do a karaoke segment without Elias? I know Elias is injured, but you never have a karaoke <laughs> segment while he's there. And you're going to have this terrible one where they fixed it for Naomi when he went. Tamina couldn't even finish singing her DX song. And they picked the worst songs ever for karaoke. Which So that, that segment kind of bombed. And the, the four females in it didn't really like being in that. Uh, you have all of a sudden Cesaro and... Um, Nakamura being pushed big time. Sure, they'll have a tag team match at the horror show, Extreme Rolls, against the New Day. Charlotte's out. They're definitely missing her right now. But the women's women's uh, division's actually pretty strong for the most part. Asuka versus Sasha is a very appealing match. I agree. And I think the women, the women right now, I think, on, on all fronts are hitting on all cylinders. I think they've been the best part of these shows during quarantine and like the, the closing of everything. Yeah, and you have Bailey and Nikki Cross, which should be another interesting match. Uh, Bailey's going to retain, most likely. How do you see Asuka retaining her title? Or do they do it where Sasha actually wins and they hold all the titles and then they have some sort of unification match at some point where they're, they're going one-on-one, perhaps, or maybe they, they bring in Charlotte or somebody else? So here is – this is my theory, my working theory. I think they planned on doing Charlotte versus Asuka as a SummerSlam match. And then I think when the Charlotte stuff happened uh, with her, her implants and the, she had the, the, the same health situation that she did a couple years ago and she had to go away and uh, it became a major thing. I think when that took Charlotte off the table, they needed something for, for Asuka to do in, in the meantime – so I think that's why the the, 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 the Sasha thing has, has been happening like this. And because they already did Asuka and Nia Jax, because uh, other girls have either been... 
Hey, Jen, we need to sell our home. Do you know a great agent? I do. We just sold with a local Redfin agent. It was awesome. And we paid a 1% listing fee because we bought our new home with Redfin, too. Wow, 1%. Are Redfin agents full service? Totally. Our Redfin agent did it all, and we sold for thousands more than the home next door. I'll check out Redfin today. 1% listing fee when purchasing with Redfin subject to minimums, terms, and conditions. Does not include buyer's agent commission. Learn more at redfin.com or call 844-759-7732 away off television like Shayna Baszler has or whatnot. Uh, I think the Sasha Asuka match became appealing to them at SummerSlam. So I actually do think that Sasha is going to win on Sunday. And I think Asuka is going to win the rematch at SummerSlam. But I think for the next month, you're going to have Sasha and, uh, and Bailey as the role models on television. Bailey as SmackDown champion, Raw, uh, Sasha as the Raw champion, and them as the women's tag team champions holding all the gold. And I wouldn't be shocked if they pulled double duty at SummerSlam and, and, and lost. Yeah. Although I, I think, I, yeah, and I, and I think Bailey, Bailey's run, I think, is going to continue until Sasha beats her for the title. Oh, but uh, but I, I definitely think Sasha's going to win Sunday, and I think they're going to briefly beat the, the, all the, the, the champions altogether. Uh, people won't be happy about about that. I'm sure if Oscar loses, it doesn't make any sense. But I would like to see Nia Jax for Shayna Baszler. I think that would just be a nice match, but. Uh, if they're building the tag division, I'd put Shayna with Ruby Riot. The Ruby Riot face turn makes no sense to me whatsoever. She should be a heel. Uh, Shayna Baszler made her return on Raw on Monday, and she made a, a promo that made no sense, but whatever. Uh, Randy Orton might be going after our truth 24-7 title. Now, wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah, I... <laughs> That's not a terrible idea. Uh so yeah, I, I kind of want to see Shayna versus Nia too, because the 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 match that Ronda had with Nia at Money in the Bank was actually a really really solid hard hitting match, and I think a lot of people don't remember it. So I mean, same same concept. I mean, at this point, they should be trying anything with Shayna. I mean, she's just boring. She's she's worse than watching watching like white paint on the wall dry. You know, it's just, what do you think is going to happen with, something with, with Lana and Natalia? That's interesting. Uh, to be honest, they're kind of both lost in space. I mean, Lana and Lashley are together no more, and it never worked, right? So Lana doesn't have Rusev anymore, and she's not aligned with Lashley. So, like, what what else is she going to do, right? Like, she's going to need to find somebody else to be friends with. And, and Natalia, great, great in the ring. Personality-wise, again, it's like Shayna. It's... No, she's better than Shayna. She should join the Robert no, Stone agree. brand. I agree, but I think I think Natalia would be suited to be in a tag team, and I think they they're like they both complement each other and have like what the other like doesn't have. Uh, so yeah, there's nothing at all. I like them as a, a potential team. Finally, now, do you think Otis and Mandy are going to show up at the Swamp on Sunday and the Swamp match between Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman? Non-title match, by the way. It is a non-title match. It is uh, if Bray wins, he gets a championship match, right? So I, I assume that's what the what they're doing. Um, but yeah, I don't know if Mandy's going to be there. I don't know if the little Georgia Peach is going to be in the, uh, the Louisiana swamp. But uh, it would be very, very interesting. I think if they do like if they try to do some cinematic like spooky effects with the the Wyatt and the swamp and the whole eerie you know back on woods thing 
Uh, I think it would be really funny to have Otis like hide behind a tree in the background with like the money in the bank like case sticking out, and he'll be like, yeah, 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 and then he'll see something and he'll be like, no, and he goes back hiding behind the tree or something. Uh, that I think would be funny. Uh, hopefully, there's some funny moments in the match because anytime they do like any sort of Bray Wyatt match. Like in the woods or whatever, they've all been terrible. The House of Horror matches versus Randy Orton a few years ago was the worst match in WWE history. It was absolute trash. So we'll see how this one comes out. And the other cinematic match is the eye for an eye match, which they're going to do some CGI to make somebody's eye come out of their body. So that's going to be really, really disgusting to watch on the screen. So how do you see this match playing <laughs> out? Uh, Dominic, I'm sure, will be involved. Austin Theory, I don't really want to speculate too much, but maybe he had COVID because we haven't seen him on TV since he's joined the Monday Night Messiah. So that's something to literally keep an eye on for this match, Jim. <laughs> uh, my prediction is Seth will take out Ray's other eye. And then I think that something will happen that will lead to possibly Dominic actually having an in-ring match. So... uh yeah, so we'll see. But I mean, to be honest, I I like the I like them doing different things. I don't hate when they try to do different things. I feel like this is one of those cases where I'm kind of interested in the feud. I think it's been pretty solid. So like, I'll give the match an opportunity. You know, I'm gonna give it a chance. Uh, they didn't do really great with the House of Horrors. That was kind of a dud. Uh, so I mean, this I, I imagine it's gonna be very like horror film esque too. Mm-hmm. And not one yeah, and the whole eye popping out at the end thing. Not one extreme rules match on this pay per view. Right, it's it's actually the uh, the the extreme rules at the horror show, not the the horror show at extreme rules. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it, the whole like horror show thing was kind of overdone. But I think with the kind of matches that they're having on the show. I think it'll be memorable, at least. I think people will look back a couple of years from now and be like, oh, you remember the horror, right? Whether it's good, whether it's bad, I think it'll be memorable. So take that as well. All right, so that's something. It's, it's going to be very interesting, perhaps, but we'll see. This is just uh, another pay-per-view they're just trying to get through before they do SummerSlam, and then things kind of start heating up in the fall, as always. Uh, but... The, the best thing on TV is it's our truth. That's what's up, Joe. I mean, our truth has just been incredible. He is a he's a future Hall of Famer. He's unbelievable. He makes me laugh every time he's on my TV screen. Yeah, and we'll see. I, I feel like he might. Uh, <laughs> I feel like he might get like a, a WWE title shot at some point. We'll see about that. Uh, I mean, I mean, it all depends on what they do. I can't see like Drew versus R Truth. I mean, he's they've already teamed with each other before. It wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Well, we'll see if there's a new champion, as we alluded to. Our, the other thing I wanted to bring up was that Steve Cohen made s- some massive bids apparently on the Mets two billion for SNY, two billion for the Mets yeah. themselves, and then today. A-Rod and J-Lo counter by adding Brian Urlacher and Travis <laughs> Kelsey to their, and, their bidding and, war. And former NFL players making a bid on a baseball team. That's uh, 
It's a little bit silly. I mean, I know they're trying to raise money, but I think that kind of hurts their cause there, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. Too many, too many mouths to feed. Too many cooks in the kitchen. A lot of people are going to want some say. Uh, I, I don't know. It just it doesn't work. And also, like, no disrespect to any of those guys, like Brian Urlacher, all time great. Um, I'm sure he's doing other investments outside of you know post NFL career. But again, this is like the Mets, you know. And as much as as much as people would want to want like have a rod and to J and for J Lo to own the team, which I think is thousand percent. Having the other people involved, like it just it doesn't it, too many names associated and, and attached to this for it to actually work. I don't think it would work. I think it would. I think most fans that Mets fans at that point would rather Cohen just own the Mets. Yeah, I think Cohen. I think most people probably want Cohen. But something we we mentioned was what if they had if Cohen wins and then he brings Aaron on as uh, as president? Wouldn't wouldn't that be interesting? That's. That may actually be the most likely scenario because I think at that point, if A-Rod loses the opportunity to buy the Mets, I think the next best thing for him him would be to be the guy who who runs the show under the owner, right? So I think that he would actually accept too. Yeah, but do you think Cohen would would do that? Yeah. All right, and now we – I think – yeah, I think he's he's won enough – Good faith again in New York. I think there are a lot of Yankee fans that still kind of aren't really too high on him, or some fans who kind of detest him. But I think a lot, a lot of Yankee fans love him again. I think a lot of fans always appreciated him. Uh, everything that I'm hearing, every Met fan that I have that who's a friend likes A Rod and likes the idea of him being involved with the team. Yeah, I mean most uh, pe- most people like A Rod nowadays. He, yeah, I mean definitely big big face turn post career. Uh, the other thing, Joe, we got to discuss is the Hub Cities. They're all set to go. NHL, we're getting ready to, to get back in action here. So we got to bring in WG Sports photographer and your cousin, Mike Calabrese, to help us break it down. Mike, welcome to the show. What's going on? You, hear, you guys hear me? Yes, sir. We have a late caller. <laughs> we got a, a late caller here for, for the, the D block of the show. So. So, Mike, we're going to just jump right into it here. You have the the Hub Cities. They're getting started. August 1st, the games are going to start. Give us your, your analysis on how everything's going to play out in these Hub Cities. Uh, I think, you know, as long as everyone gets there pretty, you know, fine and healthy and everything, it's going to be great. Um, I love what I saw today, by the way, with uh, Dan Quay coming out and saying this isn't a camp. We're getting right back to where we started from. So, you know, I'm just excited, honestly. I, I miss sports. I miss hockey. I miss this young Rangers team. And I'm just excited to start watching uh, sports and hockey again. Joe, what do you think about Lindy Ruff going to the Devils? Is that going to hurt the Rangers with the restart? I don't think, I don't think you could have prayed for a better outcome for us. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> Not yeah, only- we have Keandre Miller, one of the, the best defense prospects in the entire NHL, coming up, and now Lindy Ruff's never going to have his hands on him. It's great. It's unbelievable. I'm pretty sure that's the first thing I sold you to, Joe. Once I saw that happen, I was just like, oh, this kid's not going to be ruined once this, go- once this happens. You know who I think benefits from Ruff going the most? It's going to be Truba. Because I think Truba is going to play less of, like, strict hockey in his own end. He's been more of, like, a stay-at-home guy as, as, opposed, as opposed to the guy who was, like, getting into the play a little more when he was with Winnipeg. So I think he's going to benefit the most from this. We'll, we'll see. I mean, is is Lindy Ruff really going to make 
uh, maybe maybe long term, you know, like, but yeah, I was th- definitely long term. I don't think it's gonna be instantaneously, but I will say I felt like the Rangers have always been very lacking that offensive defenseman type of player. Honestly, like I feel like McDonough could have been that player, and towards the back end at back end of his Rangers career, it just didn't happen. I love what D'Angelo's doing though. Every time he's on the ice, it seems like he's making something happen for a guy that wasn't supposed to be anything really. Well, now they have two of those guys. D'Angelo's emerging as one who's going to hit, you know, 60, 70 points. And uh, I think Adam Fox is eventually going to be that. I think I see a lot of Brian Leach and Adam Fox. And I know that's absolutely like cuckoo and absurd, but it's the truth. Guy is just like one of the smartest defensemen I've seen, like just be plug and play in a long time. Uh, and he reminds me of Kale McCarr in Colorado. He's just unbelievable. Uh, and I, I think with those pieces that they have back there, uh, yeah, again, shedding Lindy Ruff, amazing. So, Joe, Fox is Brian Leach. What is Miller? Uh, hopefully, if everything breaks right and it's like the highest you could possibly go, Victor Hedman. But again, that's that's really, really lofty. I don't know if he's ever going to be that. But I definitely do think he will eventually develop into a consistent top four defenseman. I don't know if he's ever going to be a one, but he could be a two or a three. All right, Mike. Obviously, the big question with the Rangers camp is who is going to play goalie against the Carolina Hurricanes? Rangers went 4-0 versus the Hurricanes in the regular season, and Henrik Lundqvist absolutely owns the Hurricanes, but he hadn't been playing much as of late, which was a real shame. Maybe there's a conspiracy theory out there as to why that was happening. And you have the rules with the new CBA, Joe, in regards to... The cap salary cap going to be down, so this maybe mm-hmm. could potentially do the end. So, Mike, who do you want in goal? Who do you think is going to be in goal? So, you know, it's a tough thing. I was actually just thinking about that um, before you said it, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of big question marks. And I do think you're going to have to it's, – it's honestly tough. But I feel like if you're going to have this future and everything come down, you want these kids to get the playing time. Listen, going forward, it's a win-win. The Rangers and this young team is going to get – um, an opportunity to play in some playoff atmosphere type of hockey, maybe without fans, but, you know, in, the, uh, in games that matter. And uh, I think, honestly, you have to start with uh, Igor and Shesterkin. You have to start with him. I know Henrik can be coming off the bench and they have the three goalie thing, but you want him to get the playing time and the feel for it, playing with, like, everyone go, giving it all and down the stretch and see how it comes. So I think it's going to be Shesterkin. What do you think, Joe? Who gives, who gives the Rangers the best chance to win a Stanley Cup this season? It's probably Igor Shosturkin. Lundqvist definitely has a strong case to, to, to get some word in and, and potentially start. But again, my cousin's right. When it, when it comes down to it, we need these guys to play in games that matter. And these games are mattering. The intensity is going to be there. Yes, there are not going to be fans, but these guys are professionals. They treat everything with the same intensity. So you're going to get these these kids these opportunity to play in this situation. And and Igor was actually pretty darn good this season, as was. So uh, I would like has... to add one thing. Yeah, just sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just it just clicked. Also, the Rangers, the position they're in now, it seems like it's you. It's a win-win. If they lose, they have a what was it, twelve point something percent chance of the number one overall pick. And, you know, we got to a spot that we technically people are going to say shouldn't even been there, even though we were all pushing for that spot. So I can see also see this playing out. If Shesterkin comes out of the gate and he's 
having a rough time being at the best of five, I can see them kind of giving like the nod, like Lundqvist, you know, this, is, this could be your last hurrah because of what Nick said with the salary cap and everything. So I could definitely see it starting off with Shesterkin saying, let's go out there, give it our all. If, you know, if we fall into the bus a little bit, I could see Lundqvist getting in there and, you know, giving it his all possibly as his last start or a couple games as a Ranger. All right, what do you what do you think, Joe? Rangers in three, Rangers in four, Rangers in five. What do you think? I say I say Rangers in five. Right, I think you... the goal I think the goaltending at the end is going to be, actually be the difference in the series. I think the Rangers have the better options. What do you think, Mike? I said Rangers in four. All right, so Joe, if if Lundqvist isn't starting, is he even dressing? I think he will dress as the backup. That's a prediction because he may not necessarily. They may go with Georgiev, but I think he will because I think with the success that he's had in Carolina, and I definitely think he has spent this time off in Sweden uh, doing stuff related to conditioning and refreshing his mind. Uh, I think everything that's transpired over the last couple of months has been good for him. So I think there's a chance. Plus, with his veteran experience, they, they kind of need that in the room right now because, I mean, I'm what, 80, 90% of this team has never seen a playoff game. So I, I think those are two good reasons to keep him around. I think the playoff inexperience is the exact reason why Henrik Lundqvist will be playing goalie for the Rangers on August 1st. Uh, he will lead the Rangers to a three-game sweep, and the Hurricanes, like they don't even score a goal. The Hurricanes don't score a goal. There you have it. So, <laughs> Love it. Joe, Love it. give us the quick breakdown here on the brand-new CBA. I haven't read up on it, to be honest, so I can't really speak too much on it. Unbelievable. All right. I will give you the, the, the highlights here, which is that right. the, cap, the cap is going to stay essentially the same. It's, it's not, going, same, to, it's not right. going to grow. And the big news is that it looks like NHL players will be returning to the Olympics. Mike, what do you think about that? The Olympics desperately needed the NHL players back in it. Oh, yeah. That, I love that. Honestly, I don't get the reason. I mean, I can, being after some things that happen, but I, would, I love that they're going to have an opportunity to play for their country again. I mean, just to watch high-level hockey from all across the world on one rink, it's awesome. So, Joe, what do you think? 2022, you think Canada's winning the gold medal? <laughs> uh, I, w- I finally hope the United States breaks through. Um, Austin yeah, Matthews to... gets the goal, leads the gold, leads the, leads the nation <laughs> to gold medal. We're gonna have to see the long term effects of how this season ends plays out because next season's going to start probably off schedule a little later than it usually does. So we'll see if that bleeds over. Uh, a lot of these guys are gonna be playing a lot of significant hockey games over the course uh, between now when everything is starting again until we get to the Olympics. So I actually think it's it's going to be interesting to see how many star players decide to play for their countries and how many opt out of playing simply because they played a crap ton of hockey games over the course of the, the last couple of seasons leading into that. So I, that's something that I would look out for. I think you're going to see a lot of guys who normally would never be considered because a lot of uh, countrymen are more talented than them would have the opportunity to make their teams that year. So. Yeah, I think you're totally wrong. I mean, this is, you know, right. And <laughs> every NHL player is going to opt to play the Olympics. That's, that's what they've been asking for. But that's going to do it for this show. For the late, the late joining, Mike Calabrese. And for Joe Calabrese, I'm Nick Durst. And this has been You Know I'm Right.
Every day, thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. But Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at GetArculus.com.